God's promises. He never promises something he cannot keep. Many things he has told us he would do have come to pass. For example, when he told Abram his descendants would suffer 400 years of bondage and then come into the land of promise, it did come to pass. See also Genesis 15 verse 13, Exodus 12, 33 through 42, and Joshua chapter 5. For the purposes of our discussion today, the promises that God made to Abram about a son is what we will be talking about. Now keep in mind, in Genesis 11 verse 30, we're told that Sarai was barren. This meant that she was physically unable to get pregnant. However, in Genesis 15 verse 4, God tells Abram that they would have an heir and that the heir would be his own son. God goes on in verse 5 showing Abram the stars of the sky and how his descendants would be as numerous as those stars. Keep in mind what I told you last week in terms of how the night sky in the ancient world would have looked. Abram did believe God, and since God knows the heart, see also 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, God knew Abram's belief was genuine. Later in chapter 15, we talked about the promise of land that God promised to give Abram's descendants through the child of promise. Now, as we all tend to do, Sarai starts working out in her mind about how a son is going to come about since she's barren. Clearly, the creator of the universe has made a promise to the two of them, but sin has a way of making us doubt God's word. See also Genesis 3 and the fall of Adam and Eve. Sarai comes up with a plan in Genesis chapter 16 how they can make God's promise happen. Sarai has an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Sarai told Abram to go into Hagar, get her pregnant, and Hagar would act as a surrogate for Sarai. Abram does it without too much protest, very similar to Adam, when Eve nonchalantly gave him the forbidden fruit to eat. But when Hagar does become pregnant, Sarai becomes very jealous and kicks Hagar out of the camp to let her fend for herself and the child. Abram doesn't seem to care too much as he says, basically, she's your servant, do with her as you wish. Not seeming to care too much about the child that is his. However, since the child is of Abram, the angel of the Lord comes unto Hagar and promises that the child will also become a great nation as well. The child was then to be named Ishmael, whose descendants would become the modern Arab nations who are so ardently opposed to the nation of Israel at present. Hagar bore Ishmael when Abram was 86 years old. In Genesis 17, God then makes a covenant of circumcision with Abram, who is then renamed Abraham, since he shall be the father of many nations. God then reiterates his promise to Abraham that he will have a son through Sarai, who is renamed Sarah. Abram begs God to let the promise to be fulfilled through Ishmael, who is 13 by now, since he is already there. Seemingly, Hagar and Ishmael had returned to the camp at some point. God says no and that the promise will be fulfilled through Sarah and this covenant of circumcision will go through their son to be named Isaac. In Genesis 18, God then promises them both that Sarah will indeed have a son the following year. Sarah at first doesn't believe God and God then calls her out on it. However, the purpose of this visit isn't as much to deliver that news to Abraham. God decides to tell him what he, God, is about to do to a city called Sodom since the outcry about them have become so great. God hints that he is going to destroy the city. The reason for this decision, I believe, is so Abraham would feel compelled to intercede for the city, since he, Abraham, knows his nephew Lot lives in Sodom. Abraham asks God if he will sweep away the righteous with the unrighteous. 
Abraham pleads that if there are 50 righteous people in the city, will God spare it? Interestingly, Abraham keeps pleading with the Lord until he gets that number down to 10 people. Abraham's reaction is interesting when he interjects each lowered bargain. He basically asks God not to become angry with him for asking for a lowered number of righteous people for mercy. The Bible records that God seems pleased as he answers very calmly for the sake of X number of people each time that he will not destroy the city. Why? Do we not have an intercessor on our behalf? Is it not Jesus? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it tells us that if we do sin, we have one that speaks to the Father in our defense. That is Jesus. Even in the book of Numbers, chapter 5, Moses is interceding on behalf of the people of Israel when they sinned against God. He is pleased when there are those who intercede for mercy on behalf of those who indeed deserve judgment. But in the end, in chapter 19, we see that Sodom does come under judgment, but not before Abraham's nephew Lot is pulled out by angels prior to the judgment falling. This is a picture, I believe, of what will happen with the church prior to what is called the 70th week of Daniel, also known as the Tribulation. However, in Genesis 21, we are told that Abraham is 100 years old when Isaac was indeed born to him by Sarah, who is about 10 years younger than him. That is, she is 90 years old when he is born, just as God had promised. In Genesis 22, God then tells Abraham that he must go to one of the mountains in the land of Moriah and offer Isaac as a burnt offering to God. Now, that may shock you, but I believe God was using this to serve a purpose. Sarah bore to him, Abraham, a son long after Sarah should have been having children. In Genesis 18, verse 11, God tells us the way of women had left Sarah. Yet in Genesis 21, we're told that Sarah indeed bore a son to Abraham. Clearly, this was a miracle. How do you think Abraham then felt about Isaac? Keep in mind, also, when Sarah was still Sarai, she was barren. See also Genesis 11, verse 30. Have you ever tried to have children and just couldn't? This was also in the ancient world where adoption really wasn't an option. If you or your wife couldn't have children for whatever reason, that was it. And having children in the ancient world was seen as essential not only to keep humanity going, but to keeping your family line going. So now you're 100 years old and a miracle has happened in this child. Don't you think that God could sense some kind of idolatry within Abraham's heart towards a son born to him through Sarah? I almost guarantee it. So what did God decide to do? He made Abraham give up Isaac in his heart. He commanded Abraham to kill his son. Now that may seem crazy and not godlike at all but it was to achieve a greater purpose, to keep God supreme in Abraham's heart. Keep in mind also that God had conferred righteousness to Abraham because of his faith. See also Genesis 15, verse 6. The book of Hebrews gives us a little further insight into this situation. In chapter 11, verse 19, we're told Abraham reckoned that God could raise Isaac from the dead should he, Abraham, actually have to follow through and kill him, that is, Isaac. That same verse tells us that figuratively, Abraham did receive Isaac back from the dead. But why? Because Abraham had actually determined to do what God had commanded him to do. So effectively, God put to death the idolatry in Abraham's heart towards his son. God wants nothing else before him. God wants to be supreme in our lives. That begs the question. Is God supreme in your life? I don't mean the ethereal God that resembles some sort of random notion that we all tend to think about. I'm talking about the God of the Bible who created you that you have rebelled against. 
Now that may sound offensive, but the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Me, you, and the entire world. But Jesus also died for us, for all of our sins, and then rose from the dead. God is inviting you to the gift of eternal life, especially if you have listened thus far. How you grab hold of that gift, I'll detail in the next segment coming up in just a few moments. At this point in the podcast, I want to reach out to you. And if you have never done so, if you have never entered into a saving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that he is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and heart and everything through a process, if you will, to embody what has already taken place in your heart. By simply praying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. Please take control of my life. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's all you need to do. And your life will change. Your life will change not so much materially, not so much in terms of the world, but your life will change in your standing before God in that you may know that you can have eternal life. The Apostle John wrote that when he was pinning 1 John. He said, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but so that you can know. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, I have the links for the social networks that I am connected on in my bio for this podcast. I'm also available at Gmail at DisciplePOV, that's D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-P-O-V at gmail.com. If you have anything that you would like to convey to me, such as something you agree with, something you don't, or anything else, or if you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I'd love to hear from you today and to assist you on your new eternal journey.